Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Get Into It with Gila. I'm Gila Glassberg, your host, registered dietitian, and certified intuitive eating counselor. And today I have Adrian Paxosa. I'll tell you a little bit about our episode. Um, and I am just giving a disclaimer here that if you're not really interested in so much of the back end of private practice, you might not find this interesting. But I think that you will find it interesting either way because, well, I'm just like the type of person that likes to know like all the details about like a person, how they got into the profession, why they think it's so important. So I think that we were, I felt like we were a little bit nerding out on like building your own practice, but um, Adrian is also a registered dietitian and she's actually an eating disorder registered dietitian. Uh, she's a CEDRD slash S, which means that she could actually supervise other dietitians who are um, becoming eating disorder registered dietitians, which is actually something on my to-do list. And I have bunch of hours towards that so one day I do think that it's really really important um and Adrian is trying really really hard to make weight neutral care accessible to everybody so I think that it's just really important to hear um from Adrian and um just wanted to remind everybody if you wanted to sign up for my intuitive eating group counseling I am in my I just finished my second week of the 12 weeks it's going awesome I find that just like women showing up for themselves that's like a big part of it supporting each other and learning in a very supportive way is just a really powerful way of learning so I've already had people reach out who didn't join this group so I'm happy to start another group if you are interested you could email me at gilaglassberg18 at gmail.com you could go to my website and send me an email that way you can go to my website and fill out an application um Actually, I think that's the best way because that way, like, we'll make sure that we're really on the same page, like, you're ready to to do this, like, you know that this is not a weight loss program, um, so that is um, the best way to reach out, and please rate and review the podcast. It really means a lot to me, and not only that, it also helps other people get this information. Um, I really do think that we are making a dent in the world. I know uh, with Miriam Pascal's... Um, article in the Mishpacha. I'm sure a lot of you saw it or read it or saw that me posting about it on Instagram. Um, it was really powerful the way that she has brought to everyone's attention that body shaming is such a detrimental thing. So I really do feel like we are spreading the message. So keep doing what you're doing. Keep sharing um, the intuitive eating message, message health at every size, body positivity, um, just not commenting on other people's bodies. Um, changing the language around yourself and your kids, all those things make a huge, huge impact. So keep doing what you're doing and thank you for listening. Have a great day. Hi everyone and welcome to my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. I know you're going to love the content here because you will gain inspiration, powerful tools and insights and valuable knowledge. If you want more of this, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or visit me on Instagram at gilaglassberg. I'm Gila Glassberg, a registered dietitian and intuitive eating counselor. I have come to realize by counseling many, many women that this work is much deeper and greater than food and body image. It's the bigger picture challenges we face of love, belonging, acceptance, what our true values and goals are, noticing them, addressing them, and gaining skills to move forward. If you have been struggling with what your life's purpose is, or you just feel stuck in general and don't know what's holding you back, this podcast will enlighten and inspire you to take action and move forward. This podcast is about other women in the 21st century who feel that losing weight will fix all their problems or somehow meet their unmet needs. Hey, hi everybody. Welcome to another episode of Get Into It with Gila. I'm Gila Glassberg, your host, registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor. And today I have Adrian Pexoza. Did I get that right? You did. <laughs> I feel like a hero. <laughs> okay. So it's, it's so fun to have you on. I will admit to the listeners that this is like a newer thing for me, like someone reaching out to be on my podcast. I feel pretty cool. Um, so, you know, I don't know much about you. So tell the list, tell me and the listeners, where do you live? What do you do? Let's just hear about you. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Well, you're going to get lots and lots of people reaching out to you because your show is awesome. Oh, so you. hold on to your hat. It's coming. Um, so hi, everybody. Uh, I'm Adrian, and I live in Austin, Texas. Um, born in Texas, 
tried to escape in college, uh, but came back because I really decided I don't like cold weather. Um, So I am also a registered dietitian and certified eating disorder dietitian. Um, Yeah. Do you want me to tell you, tell you the story? I would love to hear was, was, was that your first career being a dietitian or no, I really know a lot. I want to just make a disclaimer. I should have said this. I listened, you also have a podcast and I listened to your podcast and I was so flattered when you reached out to me because I was like, wait a second. She's like, has this really big following and like, I'm just over here in, you know, New York doing my thing with my like small following, but you know, like impactful following. Um, yeah. So how, how did you become a dietitian? What led you there? Um, well, I love food. Uh, so first career ever since I was little, I was like, I'm going to be a dancer. I love Mm. to perform and be the center of attention. Um, all of those things. So grew up dancing, danced in college and all the time. My mom's uh, a nurse. So Mm. she uh, did bedside NICU and then uh, started to get into education for nurses and, I would tag along to the hospital like any normal kid would do, duh, um, and help her set up all of her stuff in the hospitals and everything. I was like, ah, this is disgusting. There's blood and guts and blah, blah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And so I went off to school to be a dancer and I broke my foot and I was like, hmm, that was a great like come to Jesus moment of like, okay, I love dance. Um, and it was a time for me to really like, am I a good dancer? Am I a great dancer? Am I okay dancer? So my personality, I didn't want to be a backup dancer. Um, I wanted to be like front and center and I had to have that reality check. Like, Oh, I don't think I would ever really cut it. Mm. And that would just not be fun. And so I was like, okay, well, what do I actually like too? Um, I like to help people. I love food, um, uh, but I don't want to touch them. So I was like, oh, nutrition. That is the extent of my research um, into the field of dietetics. Really? Uh, yeah. I did not do any research on like, what does it mean to be a dietitian? Never even talked to one. Didn't even know anything about it. Like, oh, cool. That sounds like a good career. Did negative research on what school to go to. Uh, my friend that was also dance and she was changing over to poli sci. Um, she got into Loyola in Chicago and I was like, cool. Um, University of Illinois, Chicago. I bet they have a nutrition school. Didn't research. I was like, cool, I'll apply and I'll go there. Um, so that's why oh, I, I love like, that. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> there must be somebody else deciding that this is my path. Um, so got into their coordinated program. Um, they took eight in their coordinated program. 27 years ago. Um, and it was amazing. I love every second of it. It was awful, difficult, organic chemistry is going to break every dietitian. Um, but still like love all of that. So this is way back when, um, got a job before I was actually passing the RD exam. So in Chicago, the big hospital that, uh, the TV show ER was based off of it's Cook County hospital. Um, it's like a level one trauma center. It's crazy. Um, so I was got hired at their like South Chicago, um, hospital. Uh, and so it was like a satellite where it kind of, they sent overflow patients to not in the best area of Chicago. I didn't know anything. I was like, cool. I'll take it. It's a job. Heck yeah. I'll take one of those. Uh, so it was before I even got uh, my RD and it was paper charting. So I would sign my notes, RD pending, which is uh, totally illegal nowadays. And the dietitian would come back and sign them. Uh, thank goodness I passed my RD exam and stayed for the Chicago. listeners. That's a really, really big feat. It's it's a really hard exam. Yes. Yeah, it's not easy peasy. No, no. Yeah. Uh, so stayed there, worked. Um, And uh, because I have a little bit of energy, I was also a personal trainer um, at night and really didn't understand that like people wanted to lose weight. And like, I was like, no, I don't want to talk about that. Like, let's just warm your body. I wasn't really a successful personal trainer. Let's just put it that way. Um, But were you, were you like certified personal trainer Mm -hmm. or? Yeah. Yeah. I always Uh, wanted to combine those two. So that's awesome. (laughs) Um, and then I decided I wanted to be closer to family, moved back to Texas and started a private practice on the, like as a side hustle and, um, and wait, also wait, stop. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you weren't a good private, you weren't a good um, personal trainer because everyone wanted to just lose weight. Is that why? Yeah. 
Yeah. And I was just like, oh, how about we just like move our bodies and learn how to lift appropriately? That was like intuitive for you. Yeah. (laughs) And you didn't have any like eating disorder, disordered eating that led you to nutrition. It was just sort of like a neutral, happy thing. I'm very privileged in the sense that I didn't grow up in diet culture. Um, It was just, yeah, like food is cool. Like enjoy it. It's fun. So it was, I guess, I guess there was no diet culture in your house or your friends or even around dance. Dance there was like, let's be real. It's a very normal thing. And and all of those situations have had many experiences of people did not do well and definitely had eating disorders, but in, yeah, it was just not really a thing. Um, I was also very cocky as a dancer. I I was going to say you will not that you're cocky at all, but that you have, I feel like when people are, um, you know, this, when people are vulnerable to eating disorders, it's because they feel really bad about themselves anyway. So anything that affects their self-esteem, but it sounds like you just had this awesome sense of self and worthiness that a lot of people don't. I've asked my parents about this so many times, like, how did you do this? Like, what kind of voodoo magic did you put in my brain? Because like, also fun fact, um, in elementary school, I was in, I don't think they have these classes anymore, but special ed, uh, mm-hmm. I'm dyslexic. And so I was pulled out of my classes every day to go into special ed. I have chills. Classes. Wow. Um, and, yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, well, I mean, I'm cool. I'm going to the other class. So I don't know the voodoo magic my parents have done and I'm trying to figure it out. Like, how do you instill that you're, oh. that you're awesome? So I don't know. Wow. I have, that's awesome. I love that part of the story. <laughs> I love everything that you said, but I will say that like, I also had a learning disability as a kid and like, I, yeah, I, I am not dyslexic, but I was always pulled out of class and I always felt really stupid. And I was always like, I'm never going to make anything of myself. And I, I just kind of was like in the low, lower classes. And then like, when I, when I found nutrition, like as my passion, I I worked really hard in college, but it was like really challenging. So like, I always say that, like I struggle with low self-esteem, but I also have a really high dose of tenacity. So those, those two, you know, I love it. Yeah. I think totally. I I think I had the same experience where my teacher was like, oh yeah, you're, you're never going to like amount to much or whatever. And I was like, bite it. Uh, I'll show you. Challenge accepted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So yeah. But that's um, amazing as a, as a, as like a elementary school kid that, that you didn't feel less than like you felt like it was kind of like, cool. Like that's like your thing, you know? Yeah. I don't, I don't know how they did it. And even to this day, like I can't, I always tell people like, I don't know, whenever I send an email, half of it's going to be misspelled. I get corrections all the time. I'm like, cool. Thank, thanks. I don't care. It doesn't bother me. <laughs> That's really funny that you're saying that because I, I do want to hear about how you started your private practice and how you built such a successful private practice. But I, the thing that you're reminding me of is that I listened to a lot of um, Libby Rothschild's podcast, um, Dietitian Boss, mm-hmm. and that was when I was starting my practice also. And she always said, and I see this, so many people ask me about my practice and how I started and all that stuff. And she always said, like, just start messy, start messy. And Brene Brown talks about that too, but like, mm-hmm you get, if you're like that type, that's like perfect and everything's spelled correctly. And you're in like analysis paralysis, like you will never do anything. Mm -hmm. And then you're just like, it's just so sad that like you have all this potential and like you have so much going for you and you're not going to do it because it's not going to be perfect. Like that's, then you're like, I've been doing my practice now for five years. And I just, I just did some public speaking this week, which is like one of my biggest fears. Yeah. And, and I was just reflecting on like, wow, I got so much better at public speaking, but if I didn't do it five years ago, I would still be at square one, you know? Congratulations. Oh my God. That's awesome. Yeah. I spoke to seniors in high school here, which is like, I know, imagine if we all got that when we were seniors, you know? Oh, oh my gosh. I, oh, how exciting. So are you like, oh, more, more, more. I want to do more public speaking. I definitely should. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I know that like I spoke in November, I got like a speaking um, gig. So that was awesome. And then I was like, I could do this. I could do this. And then like the weeks go by and then like something came up again. And I was like, not again. Why am I doing this to myself? And then it it went awesome. And I really felt like I did a good job. I feel like more than that, more than me doing a good job. I felt like here are 12th grade girls who I could help that I needed that help when I was a 12th grader. Like that's really like what it's about, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. So oh. I hope so. I mean, I am, if it, who's ever listening, I am available for <laughs> just putting that out there. Yeah. yeah. I've I done it. it. I've done a bunch already now. Yeah. Oh, I love that for you. Oh, how exciting. It really does like make a difference when you just like 
start messy. Just go. Yes. Yes, exactly. Ah. <laughs> like with the podcast also, you know, like my first few episodes, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to edit it. I didn't know. And then you just, that's how you learn, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. I think it's, uh, the biggest learnings always come from the biggest, uh, mistakes or the things that you fall down from. Yeah. Yes. Libby Rothschild also said this and it's on my, I write this, I write on my bedroom wall, um, failure equals data. And I see that all the time. And I really do. I really do believe that, that like that when you fail, quote unquote, what did you learn and what could you apply for next time? And now, you know, how uh, that way not to do it, you know, totally. Um, Sarah Blakely, the inventor of Spanx, uh, yes. she always talked about how that was her normal dinner conversation with her father. It's he would go around and ask all the kids, how did you fail today? Wow. Okay. What did you learn today? And I was like, how like making it such a normal part of like your family culture, your family beliefs of like, oh yeah. Like what have you actually like t- taken a risk and like tried and tried and learned from? I think it, I, I love that story. I love that. Oh, I'm going to really think about that. <laughs> I have so much to say on that also, like just resilience and Dr. Becky, I don't know if you listen to Dr. Becky, but do you Dr. Becky? She's sounds- like a parenting, it's a parenting um, podcast. I think it is somebody texted it to me and I was like, oh, on my list of millions yeah. of other things. I know I listen to a hundred podcasts also, <laughs> but she does say that, that like the, the child that when you have, if you have a perfectionist child, like just like she's very into like that modeling, like she's being like, oh, I'm so stupid. Why did I do it? Why did I do it like this? And then be like, wait a second, I'm not stupid. Things are hard and I'm challenging myself. I'm like, I, I hope that, I hope that that's just something that we could change in our culture mm. that like, that like harshness, that meanness that we are to ourselves, you know? Ah, oh, yes. And get rid of perfectionism, like yes. be messy. I love yes. it. <laughs> yes. Okay. So you moved back to Texas. Oh yeah. I'm bringing back to the story. Yeah, um, sorry. We'll just keep going in circles. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. So I came back to Texas because I did not want to be cold anymore living mm-hmm. in Chicago um, and started my private practice. Again, no clue what I was doing. Um, How did that dad, start? Yeah. Uh, yeah. My dad uh, is also an entrepreneur. So I asked him questions, um, but yeah, he didn't really know like private practice. And my mom worked in a hospital, so lots of Googling. Um, Was there any hesitation there? Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what it's like to be my own boss. What if I don't make money? What if I don't get clients? Anything? Um, Oh, gosh, yes. There's all these hesitations. And I was like, yeah, it's the worst that could happen. Um, That I fail. (laughs) Um, Like you weren't afraid of failing. You weren't afraid of losing money. You weren't afraid of feeling like a loser, like nothing. Yeah. Like, Oh, afraid of those things. But it was also, so the money piece was always a big piece. And so I always had a full-time job. Uh, mm. cause that was a big one for me. Cause at the time I was single and I was like, okay, <laughs> how do I not live in a cardboard box? But if I do, what's my backup plan? So I always had like backup plans. Um, and so I wanted to one, make sure the money was okay. So that's why I had a full-time job. And then as far as like, am I going to fail? Uh, I didn't think that that was possible. And I, again, crazy voodoo magic because I was like, everybody wants to talk about food. Who mm-hmm. doesn't want to learn about food? Everybody eats. So again, I I think I'm very naive in a lot of things. I'm like, cool, I'll just try it. Um, and ignorance, yeah, so ignorance is bliss, right? Yeah. yeah. So I'm definitely going down that <laughs> naive approach. Um, it wasn't wildly successful for years. It was one of those like one client, one month, one client, the other month, not really sure what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't have it perfect. It was not set up right. Um, but the reason I kept going back to like, why the hell am I doing this? Why the hell am I doing this? And because I truly, truly, truly in my heart of hearts believe that dietitians, are magical and we can fix anything. And so I wanted to create better access to dietitians because mm. that was just like, I, I just knew that if, if people could talk to dietitians more, they, they would have better relationships with food, their body, maybe they would uh, not stress about food as much. So that was my mission. And so I was looking at, well, why am I charging a hundred something dollars a month or a, a session. Like I can't afford that. Why would I ask my patients to? So I figured out how to take insurance <laughs> and by figure out means I went through a lot of months of like, Holy hell, what am I doing? Lots I of take insurance. I, I know for all those yeah. listeners, it's, it's fun. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> but I knew that that was something that I personally believed in. Um, and then from there, 
I mean, dietitians don't like the business side and that's the part I kind of fell in love with and slowly grew the practice into a group practice and wait, 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 stop, stop, stop. (laughs) Hold on. I need, this is like, you're saying it as if it was like easy. Um, (laughs) okay. So you started, it was slow. Mm -hmm. You realized that maybe your price point wasn't correct. So Mm -hmm. what does that mean that you weren't getting clients at that price point and you felt like it was out of alignment with you? It was, I was getting clients, but my heart didn't feel good about it in the sense that, man, I couldn't see me and that just doesn't feel good. So it was one of those, I wanted to be able to feel good about things. And so mm-hmm. definitely it was like a self-worth thing. And yeah. me and my therapist chatted about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was definitely one of those, I needed to get into alignment about self-worth, but then also I wanted to make sure my company was in alignment with the mission of creating access. I really appreciate that. I really do. Because I always go back and forth about and taking insurance, just a little bit of like for listeners, why I take insurance, why I don't, I think I've spoken about it on my podcast, but like when I first started, like nobody was going to, I felt like nobody was going to pay my prices and I had Mm -hmm. more time than money. So I just invested a lot of time in figuring out how to take insurance. And that way, that's a lot of like cutting out advertising also because you're on their, you know, you're on their website and stuff like that. And Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's like you. So many people told me like it's really annoying at first, but once you figure it out, it's pretty easy. Get some yeah. practice, you know. Yeah. Like, um, and it kind of just worked like that. And then over the years, I've been like, should I take insurance? Should I not take insurance? But I do still take insurance. And I had um Paige Smathers on the podcast who also takes mm. insurance. And I think I've had other dietitians who don't take insurance. And I I hear both sides, but I I really do appreciate that that journey for you. Yeah, it was um. Yeah, ever since the very beginning, it was something that just to me made sense of like, well, if I'm going to go to see a healthcare professional, I want to use my insurance. So why, if I'm trying to be just as awesome as a physician, and if I'm holding myself to those standards, why shouldn't I take insurance? Mm-hmm. Um, and so to me, that was, that would made sense in my brain. I was like, well, that makes sense. Um, yeah. So yeah. Um, is there any part of you that believes that if people are paying out of pocket, they, they show up more, they care more, they invest more, or you don't believe that anymore? Or what do you think? I'm just curious. I don't think so. Um, it's interesting. My patients that uh, use insurance show up off more often and they care more and they're more in it. Um, they're the ones that I've seen for years. Right, right. Uh, whereas the ones that uh, private pay, they usually stop because they can't afford it. Right. That's mm-hmm. true. I hear yeah. that. I still see both. I still see both. I really do. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do. I have clients that pay out of pocket. I have clients that use their insurance. I I still feel torn about it, but that's just me. And, and it's a journey, you know? Yep. Like, yeah. We'll figure it out. So you, when did you decide to hire other dietitians? How did that happen? Um, so over, overnight, um, I got a random phone call from our, one of our local grocery stores that, um, they didn't have dietitians at the time. Now they do have dietitians on staff, but before that, um, they saw that I was an insurance provider and they reached out and they said, Oh, all of our employees, we have this employee wellness program and we'd like them to see a dietitian, uh, twice, um, uh, every two months. And I was like, okay, great. Awesome. I'd love to be able to help and be a resource. And like, great. We're going to send you 60 patients a month. I was like, crap. Awesome. Thank you. Holy hell. Um, so I was like, I need help. Wow. On top of, I was already full. Um, wow. And so, um, growing pains, growing pains. Yeah. Growing pains. And so, um, I, I'm a huge believer in uh, volunteer work. And so I'm very active in the our local dietetic association, national ones. And so I reached out to all my friends. It's like, help, uh, who, who wants a side job? Uh, who wants to come and work with me? Help. Um, and so very fortunate that that's kind of how it happened. It wasn't long sustaining this, uh, the uh, local grocery store finally like hired their own dietitian. So, but I, what I found out from that is a lot of dietitians don't like the business side and I do. And so I was like, oh, well, if you're open to help, uh, like seeing more patients, I'll do the business side. And that's kind of what fell into Fearless Practitioners, which is the podcast, because um, I really wanted to teach other dietitians how to do the business side. You're fearless. You yeah. are fearless. <laughs> <laughs> 
about that. Like Harry Potter scares the crap out of me. Let's be real. <laughs> Not but the scary business part of of owning a practice, you're fearless. So yeah, I mean, there's many, many tears, many like yeah. nights of like staying up nights. Uh, but no, I think it's that's the worst that could happen. Mm-hmm. That's a good way of looking at things. Yeah. Um, yeah. So grew the practice. Um, and then in 2021, um, I'll answer any emails. So if people send me emails, I'll do my best to always answer them. I got this random email from um these people that wanted to learn more about the dietitian space. I was like, yes, let me tell you all about how cool it is. It's amazing. Um, and our conversations kind of snowballed because it was a technology company wanting to invest in dietetics. And so we partnered and that's what, uh, so the private practice kind of blossomed into this company called Nourish. And so we're now a national telehealth company. Okay, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> One second. So you said that you, the grocery store reached out, they had mm-hmm. 60, 60 clients, then you had to branch out and hire yep. other dietitians. So that, that, even that, like, I, I just, I think I told you I had a baby seven months ago and I was, I was, <laughs> and I was just thinking like, should I hire another dietitian? Should I not? What should I do? But I was just so intimidated by the whole hiring them and training them and making sure they're doing it right. And like, and like figuring out how to get them on my insurance and should I do that? And it was just too scary. I'm having anxiety thinking about it. So, um, so the fact that you, that happened, and then you said you fell in love with the business side. So was that like just organic for you? Like you started doing it and you realized, Hey, I'm really good at this. I don't get it. I'm, I'm not nervous about it. Other dietitians are, this is like my skill set. Yeah, it was one of those, um, to me, it felt like a, um, like a chemical equation. So I was like, oh, if I do these steps, this happens. And so on the business side, it feels like a lot of step work of like, okay, this, and then this, and then this, and then this, it was very easy for my brain to, uh, I can't even say that word, put them into boxes. Compartmentalize. Uh, yes, that one. Oh, um, that's my, that's my weakness. So could you help me? <laughs> <laughs> possibly, possibly. Whereas like nutritional counseling, it's so emotional. There's so much stuff in it, which I love as well. But to me that it's a lot of emotional work and there's more burnout. Whereas like business is like A, B, C, D, E. Cool. Do, 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 do. Um, so that's where I really enjoyed it. That's so funny because for me, I'm thinking like A, B, C, D, E, like with that, not that emotional stuff. I'm just like bored. It's like very <laughs> tedious and boring. I love the high emotional, like, let's get in there. Let's pull it apart. But like, that could just, you know, it's a personality thing. Oh, totally. Which it's interesting. Like, I love all of that. And then there's some days where I'm like, I really don't want to like think about things. I just right. want to like, yeah. Right. Um, so I, that's where I was, I got to have both sides. I wouldn't always get burnt out of like the high yeah. intense emotional side. like, I really don't want to use my brain too much and have right. to like come up with solutions. I just want to follow the steps. Yeah. I totally get that. Okay. So, wow. That's so interesting. I have to think about that more in terms of like, I feel like I just need to hire an office manager so that I don't have to do that. They are pretty I mean, amazing. Yeah. I have this really great intern. So shout out to Bella. And I'm always, and just, I've tried so many different things that just haven't worked for me because I feel like when I try to train someone, they're not getting it. And then I'm like, I'm not good at delegating or maybe they're just, I don't know, you know? So it's just like, it's hard. It's really hard. Oh, it's so hard. And I think what helped me, one of uh, my mentors used to always say, nobody is going to love your baby as much as you do, AKA your business. And nobody's going to do it as perfect as you do. And so what are you okay with them being messy on? And what are you okay with them not being perfect on? And so I think the, the, as like the owner and like the mama of the company, like I had to like, let go some of that. I'm like, okay, they're not going to do it just like me. And it's going to be okay. Nobody's going to die. It'll be okay. Yeah. yeah. That's really funny. I always, I always say that to myself, no one's going to (laughs) die, but you mentioned a mentor. Did you always have like a business coach or were you always bouncing ideas off of of someone who was like a few steps ahead of you? Um, so 17 years ago, business coaches were not like a thing they are today. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks Instagram. Um, uh, so I would bounce ideas off my dad in the very beginning and his ideas and my ideas are very different. So sometimes I would just like, thanks dad. Uh-huh. Mm. Um, and then other times they worked. Um, but 
I would say I reached out to other dietitians that were further along to me and asked them to be my mentors um, through the academy. They have the nutrition entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. I went and got a mentor there. Um, Some of them were great. Some of them weren't. But I would say the biggest thing that like really helped me with like my business brain was being part of a mastermind. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's been, gosh, this is probably a year eight uh that I've been with the same ladies and they're wow. from different industries. Yeah, um, I've done mastermind also. Very cool. I love it. It's mm-hmm. the most intimidating, scary thing because ours is very intense. Like you have to come with your profit and losses, go through your numbers. They like tear it up and down wow. and ask you why. And so like the first two years it was very nerve-wracking because we do it every yeah. month. But now it's just I couldn't imagine my life without them. Wow. That's so cool. Yeah. That's really, really cool. How'd you find it? Um, two of them are my best friends, um, mm. which is crazy. People are like, how did you make it work? Um, but we just had really strict, clear boundaries of what we talked about in our mastermind and then our friendships. And yeah. so it works. Cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Okay. So this is where I'm still thinking. Okay. So you, you're like, help join my private practice talk to me about that. Like I, like I just said before, how did you know to, how did you figure out how to add them to the insurance? How do you figure out how, how did you figure out how much to pay them? How did you figure out how to be a boss and how to delegate? How it was at all? Yeah. Just how did you do that? Um, didn't do it well. Not going to lie. We did not do it well in the beginning. Um, how do I figure out insurance? I called insurance. Um, and this was 17 did they, years. Did they answer the phone when you called? Yes, because it was 17 <laughs> years ago. Uh, okay, because um, I've tried that, you know, like and it doesn't work down. No, it not really. Nowadays. No, um, and I would just kind of um, say representative until somebody picked up, and I would just um, I might have pulled out some of my acting abilities and be like, I just don't know what I'm doing. What can you help me? So definitely played. A, a whole entire storm with the insurance company. Don't know if it was the best, but uh, asked a ton of questions and it took a while to add people. So in the beginning, when I was asking help people, I thought they could automatically see people that were insurance and they couldn't. So they yeah. could only see um, private pay people. So it wasn't really a good amount of help. It was me like hustling. Yeah. Oh, God. So it was, it was hard. Uh, not I just want to, I just want to just so for clients or clients for followers or listeners, whatever that we're on a podcast now, we're not right. Um, I just think it's interesting to hear the process of the insurance stuff for people to know. So basically why I said that, did anyone answer the call is because when I started taking insurance, I got a list of all the insurances that I wanted to be on there in network and they just don't answer the phone ever. They don't call you back. They don't answer emails. They don't have, and it's just really frustrating. And then the clients are like, why don't you take this insurance? And I'm like, I really tried for like five years <laughs> and also like I don't know a certain insurance company like if they reject your call if they reject your claim or the claim gets denied you can't call them so you have no idea why it was denied and there's literally 50 things you could change and you change one thing but you're not sure if it was the wrong thing and then you have to resubmit the claim but then it then you already submit it's just a headache that's all I'm gonna say but it's okay <laughs> It's usually it not that bad. Yeah, it, it's getting better. And I think as more and more dietitians accept insurance, it's starting to get better because insurance companies didn't know what to do with us. And so right. I think right. they're starting to like, oh, yeah, we actually have somebody for you to call. So yeah, um, yeah it was it was very interesting in the beginning. But as far as like hiring people, don't think I did it well. I just asked a friend. Um, didn't check employment laws of Texas because I didn't know that there was such a thing. Um, didn't really understand like you did it messy. Of... You did it messy. I did it a hundred percent messy. It was okay. messy as hell. Okay. Um, so it was not perfect. Would I have gone back and changed it? I wish I would have. I wish I would have done my due diligence, learned everything. But I don't even know if I would have known the questions to ask. Um, so. Right. Um, so I would say, um, I still, after 17 years, do I know the best way to pay a dietitian? No, I still don't know. I think, uh, talking to a million dietitians across the country, I don't think we've figured it out yet. Um, and I think that that's still, cause I think we're worth a ton, but unfortunately insurance doesn't pay a ton. Um, so that's, I think a still sticky situation. So you just sort of 
went with it like okay yeah. hiring the, you train them I guess did you like yeah watch them, them counsel I don't know I, yeah yeah I watched them counsel um and wa- made sure that they were charting uh appropriately counseling is really hard and we don't learn yeah. how to counsel in school no not at all um and then what I did do um was every week we would have casework so we would talk through different cases of like oh I did this did I say it right? Did you, what did you do? How would you handle it? So we would, I would have it be part of just a chance for us one to like have a chance to debrief and talk through patients, but then also for us to learn, learn from each other, because I think that's for me in my experience, that's how I like to learn. And so to me, that felt very organic. And so we could talk through it and feel safe. And, and so we still to this day have casework every week. I, you're talking to my heart. I just like one day, I just want that to be me. I have a bunch. And then other days I'm like, no, I'm not hiring anyone, but I, I just vacillate. I'm hiring other dietitians. I'm starting a health center. We're all going to exercise together, joyful movement and have breakfast together. And like some days we'll have vegetables and some days we'll have cake, but you know, I, (laughs) I, I I just, I just vacillate because I like, there's a lot of work to do for that, like fun stuff, you know? Oh, totally. Oh, but I love that you have that dream. Those are the best. Oh, I had the same type of dream. And it it's good to have those like big goals and like to see what happens. You never know. You never know. You never know. You never know. Mm-hmm. I'm all into the vision board. I'm all into it. Yeah, yes. definitely. <laughs> one of my one of my business coaches, um, Sherry Bork, who's a nutrition who I got from nutrition entrepreneurs. Um, she was so into the vision board and you can see it in my office actually. Like there it is. Oh, um, I, I love like, it. So when I'm spinning, I look at it. Um, yeah. So I love that. I I think it's so true. Like, see where it takes you. It's just it's just an abundance mindset, which mm-hmm. is really hard to do for people who are dieting and people. It's like the same concept. Like you just get so into that scarcity mindset, and then you're so stuck. How did you? I I forgot to ask you this. How did you become um, an eating disorder dietitian? Like, how did that evolve? <laughs> um. Again, by chance. Um, so I'm very involved in the our Austin Dietetic Association or whatever it was called back then. Um, and somebody stood up and was like, hey, one of the eating, the only eating disorder treatment center here in Austin is needing help with dietitians. <clears throat> Does anybody want to help? And I was like, oh, I can help. Cool. I know nothing about eating disorders. Cool. I'll figure it out. Um, well, and <laughs> I've, never, I've never heard that story as an eating disorder professional ever. Not one. Yeah. So then I went to the treatment center. I was like, oh, snap. Huh? Um, And immediately. It's not not one of those that you just pick up. No, no, no. So immediately I called up Jessica Setnick. Um, I was just going to say, do you live near Jessica Setnick? Yeah. Um, And so I immediately called her up and said, help. Um, And so she uh, became my supervisor for a little while. And then. I was like, I need to know everything that's in your brain. How did you learn this? What did you yeah. do? Yeah. And so she kind of like dropped me into all of the stuff and just I gobbled it up and just couldn't stop consuming and learning. And I was like, I found my humans. Like I love eating disorder patients. I love the community. I love the professionals. Like it's just, I was like, ah, oh, I found my home. Wow. That's really unusual. A hundred percent. Yeah. 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 I could just see so many things about that. I mean, I find that most people who end up treating eating disorder struggled with an eating mm-hmm. disorder or severe e- disordered eating like myself. And, and to say that, that you love the eating disorder community, that's, it's interesting. I, I have to say, this is what I have to say about that. I feel like eating disorders is my calling. I really do, but it's so hard. It's so, so hard. And I actually, Jessica Setnick is my supervisor um, and, and she was on the podcast also. And I've, I, I'm also vacillating with that. Like I ha- I think I have 10 or 11 or 12 hours of supervised practice with, with her and Evelyn Tribbley and Dina Cohen. And I'm just like, should I, shouldn't I love intuitive eating and, and like more the disordered eating side, but like almost just feel like it's my responsibility because so many people who are treating eating disorders really don't know what they're doing. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. it's really not one of those things you want to like play around with, you know? Yeah, not at all. And I think the more that people can get the training and if you love it, you love it. If you don't, that's okay. There's a million right. other patients that need help and support, yeah. but yeah. I 
I am excited that the Academy is uh, putting in uh, weight inclusive education as part of their um, mandates. So yeah. I'm excited for that. That's so hopefully so dietetics is slowly starting to change, but I think that if somebody is wanting to go into eating disorders, supervisor must have yes. to. Mm-hmm. Yes. But you know what? It's sad because as a diet, as an RD, you can treat eating disorders and it's like, we don't get any training. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Zero. Nothing. Like maybe one slide in one class. Yeah. One. I think that's all I got. I'm serious. Oh, yeah. I think I got a sheet of paper. We yeah. Didn't have... <laughs> yeah. yeah. People don't um, want to touch it. They're too afraid of it. Yeah. I and think. I think the same thing is like, I wouldn't want to go into renal if I didn't have a supervisor training or right. oncology. So I, right. I think our education gives us a good base and a wide base. But once you do find your niche or I hate that word niche once you find your calling learn dive find somebody a mentor supervisor whatever name you want to give them and learn yeah that's interesting because for renal or oncology like I definitely had those those residents because I worked in nursing homes for five years so that was like not my calling at all but like I definitely (laughs) felt like I knew what I was doing but with eating disorders I knew from myself I knew from myself <laughs> but only when I started really counseling and working with supervisor did I feel like any sense of confidence to do it and it wasn't imposter syndrome it was like this is legit you know oh yeah totally and I think each supervisor gives so much uh such different ways of looking at eating disorders um from how to talk to them how to ask great questions how to be present. Um, I love the neurochemistry side. So finding that was something I really wanted to learn more of like, oh, when somebody has depression, how do you, from a nutrition standpoint, what should be different about their recovery path versus somebody with bipolar type two? So that was something that was just fascinating to me. Wow. That is awesome. (laughs) So when, when you found eating disorders, like let's say Jessica was your supervisor, was your practice only for eating disorders, disordered eating, or was it was anyone? Yeah. So um, at the time I was working at the treatment center and Jessica wasn't my official supervisor. And I wasn't, I was just like, help. And so it was one of those like lifelines, like constantly calling her. So mm-hmm. and we, I never like, and again, this was like 17 years ago. Um, I think she was still seeing patients at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, it was one of those uh Sorry, now I totally blanked on your question. Um, yes. So my uh, private practice, it, I really was starting to focus on uh, eating disorders. So we were a, a partial hospitalization and an intensive outpatient. And so I would see people that needed a private practice dietitian and outpatient. So it really flowed because mm-hmm. at the time in Austin, there wasn't a lot of eating disorder dietitians. Right. And then when you hired other dietitians, you trained them to be mm-hmm. eating disorder dietitians. Yep. Wow. And and how many people are in your practice now? Uh, now Nourish is 52. You're a boss for 52. <laughs> you have 52 people working for you? 52 dietitians. Yes. Uh, like I said, we partnered with a technology company. Wait, so I want to hear. Okay, fine. So so before you partnered with the technology <laughs> yes. company, how many dietitians were working for you? We had at the time 12. 12. Wow. So you hire 12 people, like you're their boss <laughs> and then you, they had a full caseload. Yep. Mm-hmm. And all insurance. Yep. 95% you, insurance. Yeah. 95%. How did you do that? How did you have enough hours in the day to do that? To I had a team. That? I had a team. So mm-hmm. I had an office manager um, and she had an assistant. Um, I had a lead dietitian who also helped with like supervision of diet of the dietitians and helped with like training and supporting them. My job was, I had a very, very small caseload, um, like one or two patients. And my job was to make it rain. Uh, I was in charge of marketing. So I was out there meeting with treatment centers, therapists, physicians. So that was kind of my main role. Wow. That's crazy. And very hopeful for me one day. It it takes a while, but it was one of those, I I knew I couldn't do it all. Um, I I had done it all and I didn't want to do it all anymore. And so I wish I would have hired support sooner than later. Okay. That's amazing. So fearless practitioners, like when you started the podcast, when you, when Nourish reached out, talk to me about that. How did that happen? 
fearless practitioners or nourish which one i guess which ones happen first fearless practitioners happen first um mm-hmm. because i really like i want more dietitians to see patients like if i keep going back to why the hell am I doing this? Why am I doing all this work? It's to create better access to dietitians. So if that's to teach them, if that's to educate them, inspire them, awesome. Because I, I love dietitians. I think we're amazing. Um, And so started that again, not sure what I was doing. Started a podcast. I was like, I don't want to learn how to edit. I don't want to learn how to do any of that. Like, yeah, that's just no, no, no. Yeah, so I hired people. Um, and it was not cheap. I I did not make money off of it. It was not, uh, like the best business idea, but it was something that filled up my heart. And so that Mm. was kind of like, okay, this is my passion project, heart project. So I'm going to spend my own money to figure this out. And then is that how Nourish found you? They found the practice, um, not through uh, fearless practitioners. They found it just through the practice and growth and, um, just cause I'm very active in the dietitian world. Um, yeah. And that's how they found us. And yeah, it's been a wild, wild ride. So nourish is it, tell me about nourish. I don't really know what it is. Yeah. So, um, our website is usenourish.com. And so it's just telenutrition. And so we accept insurance. All of our dietitians are weight inclusive trained, uh, out of our 52 dietitians, about 35 of them see eating disorders. Um, and yeah, we're all, I think we're in 33 different States now. Um, yeah. So, we're growing and growing and growing. And the, again, like our mission is to create better access to dietitians, make it affordable, but then also to advocate for dietitians. Like I want dietitians to be mainstream medicine. Mm-hmm. I want us to be like you seeing your uh, doctor, seeing your dentist twice a year, like that, it should be part of like a normal vernacular. Um, so that's the other mission of nourish is how can we make dietitians accessible and mainstream? So Nourish found you and then how does, if you don't mind sharing, how does that work? Like they bought your company, they, what is that? Yeah. Yeah. So they bought part of it. So I still own part of it. Um, so we're partners. Um, and so lots of, again, no clue who the hell does this. I don't know. I only know one other dietitian. No, sorry. Three other, two other dietitians that have ever sold their companies. And so of course I called them up and was like, Rebecca Bitzer, what the hell? Um, and then oh, yeah. another dietitian, like, oh my God, what did you do? Um, talk to lots of lawyers, lots of things, lots of other things. Um, and really wanted to make sure that this is, that they were going to uphold the mission of the company, uphold right. what it stood for, um, that it was still weight inclusive. And mm-hmm. so it, it has been a journey. It always hasn't been perfect, but I think we're, we've have found our rhythm. We've found our groove. Were you like hesitant? Were you ecstatic? <laughs> were you, what was that like when they reached out to you? Um, at first I was, it was just a normal email. Like, Oh, tell me about the dietitian community, blah, blah, blah. This is what we're trying to do. And it was funny. I was like, Oh, you guys should buy a, buy a dietitian practice. Oh, here's a list of old dietitians that probably want to sell their practice. You should reach out to them. And I was like, well, maybe you guys could buy my practice and we could partner. And I was like, huh. So I actually gave them the idea and they're like, oh, that's an interesting idea. And so um was, I would call it joy terror. Um, so very excited, very, I love new opportunities. I'm like, cool, this will be amazing. It'll be fun. And then like, holy hell, what am I doing? Oh my God, what is this? This is, I'm talking to 8 million lawyers. I'm reading. Yeah like these ginormous contracts that I have no idea what it says there. I, I seriously would read sentences and I was like, this is gobbledygook and throwing yeah. dyslexia. I'm like, Oh my God. Oh, I, God. I don't even, oh. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a lot of gobbledygook and yeah, I understand. Yeah. So I just had to figure again, what's the worst that could happen. I feel like the, what's coming to mind for me when I think of like fearless dietitians or like did you read the book, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyways? I always talk about that on my podcast. I haven't. Oh, but I'm going to have to add it to my list. Yeah. It's a really great book by Susan Jeffer and it's a short book and I've already read it twice, but she's all about like, you're like you, the, you're going to feel fear. Like you're going to feel fear about like starting your own business, hiring other dietitians, 
being bought out by another company, having 52 employees, um, but you could do it anyways. And the fear doesn't have to like kill you, let's just say, or, or like I said before about public speaking, like if I never did it, like I would just, I wouldn't, I would just be stifled by my mm-hmm. own fear. And that's just not a fun way to live. Oh, totally. I think what's helped me is a lot of people do way scarier things than this. And we're like, it's a business. Like mm-hmm. people face life and death and that is, to me is way scarier. Um, so it's like, if other people can do this, I can, I can read a contract and talk to a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I have to do like that gut check of like, this isn't as scary as what other people have to deal with on a day-to-day basis. Right. And it sounds like you have a good support and it sounds like you're really like in touch with yourself. And it sounds like you really do like, like feel the fear, do it anyways. And like, you know what your mission is. You're like mission driven. A lot of good therapy. Let's be real. Yeah. 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 There's a a good village behind this crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So what's, what, what do you want people to know about dietitians, about you, about your company, about like, what's like one really important takeaway from this episode? I think that, you know, I mean, dietitians were amazing. Um, I think that's, yeah. Um, But I think the biggest takeaway is, you know, how can we continue to build up access, build up uh, access to care and really not be afraid to give it a try? What's the worst that could happen? I think that that's like your tagline. Give it a try. What's the worst (laughs) that could happen? Because like, yeah, if we lived like that and we weren't so stifled like I said before by our fears like imagine what the world would be like you know yeah yeah you're gonna fall down you're gonna get a bruise yeah I get a bloody lip that's all good so you feel like that's I always say like intuitive eating is like intuitive living like that like because diet culture is so like stifling and mean and harsh and then like intuitive eating is like self-compassionate and still it still wants you to work we're not like just saying eat whatever you want and whatever you know Mm -hmm. so you feel like that's like I don't know to me I'm always thinking about the parallels that like that abundance mindset, like, like you said before, like have those big dreams and you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. Oh, totally. I think the, the fear of jumping from diet culture into intuitive eating and self-compassion is terrifying because it feels like you're letting go of all these rules and boundaries and sometimes abundance is freaky. Mm -hmm. And so how do you start to feel safe and secure and abundance and that's where I think the magic of dietitians really come into play. I love that. Thank you so much for coming on today. Is there anything else you wanted to leave the listeners with? No, I'm just so excited to be able to come and chat and get to know you better and just hear your story too. This has been so exciting. I can't wait to see what you build and create. Thank you. Thank you. And I'll put all your information in the show notes and I guess people could go to your website and sign up to work with your dietitians if it's- Yeah. 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 Just use nourish.com and- yeah, come hang out, see what we're all about. Um, but no, just wanted to come and hang out and learn about uh, what you're up to and say hi and thank you. Okay, thank you so much. Have a great day. You too. Okay, bye. Thank you all so much for being here on my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. If you'd like to learn more about what I do and what intuitive eating is, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or follow me on Instagram at Gila Glassberg. Thank you so much. Have a great day.